What's going on, Thrive Church family? We're so grateful you're tuning into this week's podcast. We pray this message will bless you in the same way it has blessed our house this past Sunday. All right. Good morning. 11 o'clock. How are you? Good, good. Man, what an amazing day. Hey, before we uh, go ahead with the rest of the experience, can we just do me a favor? Can we welcome everyone watching online this morning? Come on. Thank you for watching online. 11 o'clock. We love you. Bum, you couldn't be in the room, but we're excited to have you with us this morning. And so, hey, I'm excited. Uh, first service was powerful, and I just think God's just going to go ahead and roll it over into this one. And so let's go ahead and stand on our feet. Let's jump right in. Let's jump right in, and we're going to go to the book of 1 Corinthians. Book of 1 Corinthians. So 1 Corinthians chapter 12, you can read it on the screen, or you can pull it out on your Bibles. And it says this. We're going to go to verse 1 through 11. So we're going to read a little bit. We're going to jump into what I feel God is calling us to talk about today. It says, now concerning spiritual gifts, everybody say gifts. Brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols. However, you were led. Verse three. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. Now, therefore... There are a variety of gifts. Everybody say gifts one more time. But the same spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. Verse six. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in every one. Verse seven. To each is given the manifestation of the spirit for the common good. For one is given through the spirit in the utterance of wisdom. And to another, the utterance of knowledge according to the same spirit. Verse nine to another faith by the same spirit, to another gifts of healings of the same of one spirit. Verse 10, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another the ability to distinguish between spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, and lastly to another the interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by one and the same spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. Come on, let's pray. Jesus, thank you for your word. Thank you for your, what you're going to speak this morning. God, I pray that our hearts and our minds would be open to what you're saying to us and our church. We love you. We thank you. And in Jesus' name, everybody says, amen, amen. Go and have a seat. Have a seat. I'm going to do something a little different today. I'm going to sit with you guys, have more of kind of a conversation a little bit like a coffee vibe. So if you want to take out your phone, take out a notebook, take out some notes. I want to talk to you today about what I believe is a very important topic for our house. And it's the topic of spiritual or Holy Spirit gifts. And why I'm excited about this is if you've been here at least a month, you would know that God is just moving in a powerful way in our church. Crazy stuff. How many were here last week, second service? Anybody here last week? Spontaneous baptisms. That was fun. People getting dunked in their jeans. Come on now. It was so good. That was so awesome. And my heart as your pastor is I believe that God is wanting to move in a real way in this day and age, in this time. I believe that the Holy Spirit is not done with us yet. And like Pastor Lee said, we've been on this series for four months. And I pray that this series has really deepened us with our walk and relationship with the Holy Spirit. With that said, one of the things I've realized is, is part of the goal of this series was twofold. Was, number one, to have fundamental theology and teaching and uh, understanding of who the Holy Spirit is. But then two, 
if we're going to talk about him, we got to invite him in the room. If we're going to, if we're going to talk about him, he's going to show up. If we're going to talk about him, he's going to move in certain ways. And we've experienced that. We've seen that. Extended times of worship and moments where God is speaking through pastors and leaders and spontaneous baptisms like last week's and people getting called out, just encouraged by the heart of God and getting spoken over. And we're seeing it in small groups. We're seeing it in youth and young adults. We're, we're seeing it all over. We're seeing it with our kids where kids are praying for healing in the back, praying for kids to get healed of, of whatever sickness they're struggling with. And, and God's moving in all these ways. And it's going to happen because if you're going to, have a conversation about the Holy Spirit, he's going to show up. Amen. And so I want to make sure that we understand this, that the Holy Ghost isn't just something to be understood, but he's also a person to be experienced. And I want to make room for that, not just within a series, but I believe that God is calling our church, God is calling our house to be a church that is presence-centered, presence-led, and that the Holy Spirit would be the main thing. Listen, I don't want you to come to church on Sundays just to hear a good message. I don't want you to come to church on Sundays just to hang out with some friends, although that's important, or just have a good cup of coffee, or because you need to check off something off your religious box. I believe that when you come on Sundays, it's for one thing, and that's to experience Jesus. I want you to encounter God. I want you to know God. I want you to have a moments with God. I want you to take those moments with God and learn how to have moments at home with God. I want God to become part of your life, not just something you do on a Sunday with him. That's the heart of your pastor. That's the heart of, 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 that, I, that I burn for, right, is that you would really experience Jesus. What I have learned in my walk with God is oftentimes when God moves in a real way, it's through the gifts of the Holy Spirit. So therefore, I felt it pressing, and it wasn't even planned in, as I planned series and, and conversations in the beginning of the year and messages. This kind of happened a couple weeks ago where I felt like the Lord asking me, I felt like Holy Spirit asking me to begin to explain and teach what I believe we've been experiencing and also what we're going to be experiencing in the future. Does that make sense? And so if you're taking notes, the title of this conversation is Gifts, right? You can write that down, Gifts, Spiritual Gifts. And the main point of the conversation is this, is that the Holy Ghost is moving in this era. I want you to know that here at our church, we believe that God is still moving through the power of the Holy Spirit today. We believe that he is not dead, that he is alive. We believe that he is still healing. He is still moving. He is still speaking. We believe that the gifts of the Spirit are still alive in the church. We believe that the Holy Spirit is still moving through people in the church. We believe that God is still functioning and active within the Holy Spirit. That the Holy Spirit is the leader of the church. That it's not a man or a person, but it's his Spirit. And that the Spirit of God is alive and well today. We believe that what's happened in the book of Acts and in the Gospels is not just for the, Acts, for the book of Acts and Gospels, but we believe it is happening now. And, and why that really matters is because for me, I want you to know that that's the church you're signing up for. That's the church you're saying yes to. That's what we're talking about. That's what you're going to experience. And it's funny that I think for some of us, maybe if you've been here for like a month, two months, and you'd be shocked if you're like, I didn't know they like speak in tongues, or I didn't know they do this prophetic stuff, or I didn't know they believe in the Holy Spirit like that. It's like, dude, if you've been here for two months and you don't know that, I don't know where you've been. But I want to know what you're getting yourself into. I want you to know what we're about. And I think it's important for the unity of this house to begin to make clear lines to understand what we're about and what we believe and what is a core conviction and the values of our heart. 
And I think that's vital and that's important. So this conversation, this message that we're having, this is not like a feedback. You can ask questions. This is like, this is where we stand. This is what we're about. Like, so don't go to your small group next week. I think they ended yesterday, but whatever. Don't go, go hang out with your friends and start like, well, I don't know about all that stuff Pastor Chris said. Don't do that because that's not the type of message we're talking about today. What we're talking about today is a unified stance in what we believe and how we approach scripture in a Holy Spirit context. Does that make sense? Okay, cool. So I want to explain to you the difference between two really big theological frameworks that exist within this conversation. And I'm going to go through them really fast because I have a lot of notes to talk about as well. And so the first main idea, and some of you might have come from this reality, is this idea of cessationism. So cessationism is the theological belief that the spiritual gifts ceased in the apostolic era. Now, what what does that mean? So there's a movement of Christianity called cessationism, which believes that the gifts have ceased or stopped. And what they believe is that the Holy Spirit no longer moves in the way that he moved through people, through the apostles and through Jesus in the gospels in the book of Acts. They believe that after the apostles died, that those gifts ceased to exist. And that's a, a core conviction for some. Now, I want you to know that if you know of people that believe in that, or if you used to believe in that and God's led you here, which I'm excited, I want you to know that, that we don't necessarily believe in that. But... Just because someone believes in that or you believe in that doesn't mean you're a heretic, doesn't mean you're going to hell. And what we aren't going to do on this stage ever is bash other Christians. That's what we're not going to do. We're not going to throw people under the bus. We're not going to call people out for things in a way because that lacks unity. And it is not our job to judge. It's Jesus and the Holy Spirit's job to judge. So you're never going to find on this pulpit me calling out churches and pastors. I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. And and I believe that's so vital for us to understand. And it's so important. And so when I talk about something that maybe I disagree with, right? So so sensationist, right? I don't agree with you. I'm going to be honest. I think your theology of sensationism that the Holy Spirit isn't moving is a little boring, that's like my opinion. I, I believe that God still moves in power and he still moves in, in healing and he still moves in a, in, in a real way. And maybe you disagree with me, that's fine. But that doesn't mean that you're necessarily wrong. We'll find out at the end of the day, right? When we all get to heaven. And here's what I've learned is that I'm not gonna bash people because I might get to heaven and I might be with them forever in heaven, yeah. right next to them. Like, that's why you and I got to watch our tongues with the the things we talk about with people because God might just plop you next to their house. Right? You're talking mess and you're talking trash and you're talking garbage about so-and-so. And and next thing you know, you're both in heaven. And Jesus is like, guess who you're going to stand next to for an eternity? So I'm not doing that. And I believe it is immaturity to call other Christians and other churches out. I believe that it is not biblical. Other than in the context of heresy, It is not biblical to do that. And so we won't do that. And so this is a secondary issue that we don't believe that you have to believe what we believe to be saved. But what we also want you to know is that what we believe is what we believe. And we are not going to change what we believe based on your preconditioned theological understanding of where you came from. Does that make sense? So we would define our church as a church that believes in continuationism, 
which is the theological belief that spiritual gifts remain active in the church today. We believe that Jesus healed the sick, so we heal the sick. We believe that Jesus raised the dead, so we raise the dead. We believe that the gospel transforms hearts, so the gospel still transforms hearts. We believe that the God still speaks through people in the Old Testament and the New Testament. That still still happens today. That prophecy is real, that tongues is real, that interpretations of tongues is real, real that healing, gifts, all the things we read in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, that that is still real and that is still active. It doesn't have to be, it doesn't have to be weird, but it is powerful. And that it's still active and that God still moves in that today. And that doesn't mean if we agree, disagree with someone that we're not going to heaven or we're not making extremes like that. We're just saying this is the stance we are in. And for me, why that matters is because I believe that God is calling you to reach your family, your neighbors, your friends, your coworkers for Jesus. And I want them to get into environment, an environment, an atmosphere where God moves in that way. I don't want them to meet a good church. I want them to meet a powerful Jesus. I want them to experience Jesus in a real way, in a tangible way. And that's why we believe that the gifts of the Spirit are still in continuation today. Look what John Wimber says. He's an incredible author and really a a pioneer with spiritual gifts within the context of the local church in really the last 50, 60 years. Because a lot of this is new for church settings. Although it's been around for a couple thousand years, the church kind of slumped and and, and came back. And it's been kind of a, a revival and an awakening in some way in this topic. He says this, that gifts of the Spirit are not trophies, talents, traits, or toys. I love that. I think for some of us who come from the Pentecostal, Holy Ghost, charismatic side, we've met people who have used spiritual gifts as toys to make themselves feel good or make themselves better. And that's not what spiritual gifts are for. Spiritual gifts never lead you to an individual. Spiritual gifts always lead you to a deeper relationship with Jesus. If it does not lead you closer to Jesus, it is flesh. And that flesh is going to lead you astray. And so we got to make sure, although someone can be charismatic and gifted, that it leads us to the point of Jesus. So they're not toys, traits, talents, but the gifts of the Spirit are God's supernatural expressions. Come on, I love that. I want to know the expression of God. This is how God expresses his love to the saints and to the lost. Through kindness, his love, his kindness, his caring, right? I'm just paraphrasing. Expressions of love, caring, kindness, healing, and concern bestowed on us and through us. So we believe that individuals are gifted and that the body is gifted. Now, Paul describes this, many different parts of the body. And each part of the body is a different gifting. And each gifting is powerful through the Holy Spirit and through the gifting of God so that the church can begin to know Jesus in a deeper way. Does that make sense? Awesome. And so what I want to do is I want to describe to you each spiritual gift in in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And I kind of broken them down. Now, there's a ton of spiritual gifts. So what are they? I'm going to go through the nine that we read in 1 Corinthians 12, but there's so many more. There's some in Romans. There are some in Ephesians. Um, there are some earlier in the book of Corinthians. And so if I were to go through all of them, we'd be here for like ever. So we're not going to do that today. I'm just going to go through the nine. And the reason why is that specifically in, in these gifts, Paul addresses the church of Corinth, that these gifts manifest themselves corporately when the believers gather together and the Holy Spirit begins to move. And so why I want to talk about these in a specific way 
is because I believe that we are going to continue to see these gifts and operations. And as Holy Spirit continues the move in our church services, in our small groups, in our experiences, in our lover city outreaches, in, our, in whatever we're doing, in those contexts as we gather. And that's why it's so important to gather. Because when you gather and I gather, your gifting and your calling and your grace and your experience and my gifting and my calling and my grace and my experience and your neighbors and your friends. And as we gather together as a whole, the Holy Spirit begins to move and interweave in that. And it's powerful. God begins to show up in a very real way. So what are these spiritual gifts in 1 Corinthians chapter 9 or chapter 12? And so I'm going to break them down into three different categories. The first is that Holy Ghost moves. Holy Ghost moves. So let's go through them. There's nine of them. There's nine of them in 1 Corinthians. We're going to walk through each of them. Here we go. First off, and I wanted to start off with this one, is healing. And because I believe that this house, this is the gift we see more often than not here at our church. I believe that you're in this room, you've experienced your heart getting healed, maybe your marriage getting healed, physical healing, emotional healing. We believe that healing is when God supernaturally brings a cure to someone who is sick physically, spiritually, or emotionally. Physically, spiritually, or emotionally. And I believe that there's a grace of God on this house. There's a grace of God even, I feel, on my life personally. Like, you might be walking through these and like, oh, I might have that gift. This is just one I kind of relate to since I was a young man. Um, but even as a church whole, I've seen God restore relationships here. I've seen God restore families here. I've seen God restore mindsets here. I've seen God heal addiction here. I've, I've seen God heal physical issues like cancer and, and things like that here in this place with God's people. Why? Because God still heals today. Come on, if you agree with me, just kind of give him a shout. Come on. So this gift is real. And it's not just God healing randomly, but God heals through his people. And God can heal through certain people as they pray for each other that the Holy Spirit would begin to heal them miraculously. Now, the second one is miracles. Now, miracles is a little different. Now, if someone gets healed, like of cancer, obviously that's a miracle. But the gift of miracles is different than the gift of healing. The gift of healing has to do with physical healing, spiritual healing, or emotional healing. But the gift of miracles is a remarkable moment that defies the known laws of nature. So the verse that I referred to in the previous one is Paul or Peter, one of the apostles, healing someone who is sick. This verse has to do with Paul, actually God using him to raise someone from the dead which we believe still happens. We believe demons get casted out. We believe God still raises the dead. We believe that the power of God is real and that God can do the miraculous even when it doesn't make sense. Come on. That's the gift of miracles. So just, and I'm gonna share a bunch of stories. Is that okay with you? So for me, uh, the gift of healing, for example, I shared the story first service and I, and I think it's a good one for this one. Remember, uh, I spoke at a summer camp uh, this week that I've spoken at every year. It's one of the summer camps I go to. I, I get to travel and preach a lot. And I remember one of the first times I went, there was a young girl who's now a pastor in Stockton and we're very close with her family. Uh, there was a young girl who, she had a tumor on her brain, in her brain, on the, on, on somewhere on this side. And because of the tumor that was in her brain, it was pushing nervous sensors or sensors something. I'm not a doctor, obviously you can tell, come on. Something is happening 
where she couldn't feel the right side of her face and to her shoulder. They're thinking they're good, she's going to have brain surgery and they're going to have to walk through that. So I'm there and out of nowhere, I just feel like the Lord tell me to pray for someone's right side of their face. My right side of my face started tingling. Now I'll explain what that is in a little bit um, as, as one of the different gifts. But my, so, so we're praying for people all day that day, me and a friend. We're praying for people all day. She comes in and I just feel like I need to ask her, like, what, what are you... What do you need prayer for? And she's like, well, I have this tumor. And, and, I, and I ask her, is it on the right side of your face? And she goes, yeah. And I was like, what's going on? And she's explaining everything I explained to you. So I said, okay, we're going to pray. And I begin to pray for her. And as we begin to pray, and it's not like a church service. It's not like a church setting. We're just praying in, small, in this room, praying for her. And I kid you not, she starts feeling tingling on her face. Yeah. She starts feeling this tingling. And she's like, oh my gosh, I, I'm feeling tingling on my face. And her friend's with her, and her friend's like, what? And she's like, yeah, like, I don't know if this is real. I'm feeling tingling on my face. And I don't know what possessed this friend to do this, but she just looks at her friend and just slaps her across the face. I mean, her friend, I'm like, what? She just, bah, teenage girls, right? Just, bah, slapped her in the face. Good one. And she gets slapped in the face, and she goes, ouch. And for the first time in like a year, she's felt on her face. Goes back to the doctors a couple weeks later, tumor's completely gone. That's crazy stuff. I have so many stories like that. I wish I could share all of them, but, but that's a healing. There's a tumor that God took out and it was a healing. That's different necessarily than a miracle, although that's a miracle. A miracle is like when Jesus walked on water. A miracle is like when Jesus multiplied the fish and the loaves. A miracle happens when something that is outside the laws of nature... Something that shouldn't happen begins to happen. A miracle is like when Elijah stops the rain. And I've seen that. I've been in moments where God moves in a miraculous way, where something didn't exist and now it exists. Something that was gone now begins to happen. Like it came out of nowhere. That's like, for example, when someone gets healed of they're missing cartilage in their knee or there's things that are missing in their body. Like there's, I remember one time there was a missing bone someone had prayed for that person and their bone came back. Crazy stuff, crazy stuff like that. That's miracles. And then lastly, you have faith, which I believe everybody needs to contend for the gift of faith. I believe that now more than ever, we need faith. I love what the gift of faith is defined as. Uh, John Winder kind of describes it like this, a surge of confidence or trust in Jesus, regardless of the current situation. I want you to know right now, your pastor doesn't always have the gift of faith because I'm human. But if you're in the room and you have the gift of faith, we need you all the time to be in the room and to believe that God would do the miraculous when we can't believe God's going to do the miraculous. And when you begin to see the gift of faith surge with the gift of miracles and the gift of healings, man, it is explosive. Acts 11 talks about how Barnabas was a man of faith. That's all. Imagine, imagine like God describing you in the Bible. How would he describe you? Like, would he describe you as like Barnabas? Like you're a man of faith. Like, I wonder how God would describe me. Someone recently asked me and my wife, if someone wrote a book about me, what would be the definition? What would be the title of the book? And my wife laughed and she said, extra It's a very true definition. I'm very extra. But what would God write about you in your book? 
what would God, what, right? And so Barnabas was a man of faith. And, and it makes sense because Barnabas finds Paul to disciple Paul. He says, you know, I'm going to find the guy that killed a bunch of Christians and I'm going to make him my disciple. I don't know about you, like small group leaders in the room. If you knew a dude that was a murderer, it's not like you're going to go find him and make him your disciple. But, but, but Barnabas had faith to pull out the reality of God that Paul had on his life. That's the gift of faith, is that you would believe in greater and there would be a surge of confidence even when the situation seems impossible. That's a powerful gift. And I believe God wants to continue to release that gift on our house. Second category is Holy Spirit reveals. Holy Ghost reveals. So this is when the Holy Ghost kind of illuminates or reveals something. First one is a word of wisdom. A word of wisdom is a word of direction or a word of clarity for the immediate future or specific problem. This portion of scripture in the book of Acts, and, and I gave scripture for all of it, so you guys don't think I'm like a false teacher and a false prophet. Like, it's in the Bible. Paul is debating whether to go to Rome or not. And the Bible says that a prophet, a trusted prophetic voice, goes up to Paul, begins to wrap Paul's wrists in chains, and says, this will be your reality if you go to Rome. And everyone begins to stop him and say, well, Paul, you can't go, you can't go. And Paul's like, no, I'm still going to Rome. Just because I'm going to be in prison and eventually die doesn't mean it's not the will of the Lord for me. What a word of wisdom is, is someone carries a word of wisdom that will begin to give you insight and clarity for what the current problem of your life is. I believe that our pastors here, a lot of our pastoral staff carries this grace, the word of wisdom. I believe that you might be in a season where it's cloudy. You ever been in a season where it's cloudy? It feels like you can't see. And then out of nowhere, God speaks. There's a, that his voice comes through. And man, it brings light and direction. Why, am I supposed to take this promotion? Am I supposed to take this job? What am I supposed to do with the kids? What am I supposed to do with this? And that's why the body of believers is so important. God can give you a word, and I think that's powerful. But God can also use his people to give you a word. Trust it, obviously. We don't want no parking lot prophets here. I'm just saying. I'm just, I'm putting you on notice. If you're a prophetic person, I did quotes. If you're a prophetic person and you're trying to try out your prophetic gift on my people, I'm going to shut you down because I don't want you to, be a, to, to use the sheep and not be a part of the house. You know what I'm saying? I'm just, I'm just being real. I'm just, I'm just being honest. And I think it's very important we have to understand that, that any gift, especially the Holy Ghost reveals gifts, have to be within the context of authority because we are all, we, we're all human. We can all get it wrong. I submit myself to authority. I, I submit myself to other pastors and leaders and staff. When, when I'm sensing that, is this even Jesus? Like last week before I got up there and was like, let's do spontaneous baptisms and dunk people in their jeans. I'm like, Matt, what should we do? And Matt's like, bro, do it. I'm like, okay, sounds good. Let's go do it. Because we submit it to one another. So that way it's healthy. And, and, what I, and can I tell you right now, I think for most of us who have a, 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 a hesitancy toward the spiritual gifts, especially the, the revealing spiritual gifts, the prophetic spiritual gifts, is because we've experienced it in an unhealthy way that has not been submitted to authority and has not been accountable. But when you experience it in accountability and authority and healthiness, and the motive is Jesus, oh my goodness, it's powerful. It is game changing. I believe that God speaks through this gift. So that way you can know what the next steps are for your future, for the next steps of what your current situation are, that the Holy Spirit can reveal. And it's, it's married with scripture and God begins to use people in a real powerful way. That's a word of wisdom. So word of wisdom is God speaks to you something for someone that's for the future, immediate, and it's solving a problem. A word of knowledge is different. A word of knowledge 
is when God discloses a word or gives you a word or disclosure of information from the spirit, not known by the individual, not known by the individual. This is the one I believe I function in the most. So this is the one you're probably going to see a lot on stage because it's just kind of my gift. Doesn't mean it's more important than others. You do have, you have your gift. I have my gift. That's why we're the body. I remember one time I was in Salem, um, and I think I might have shared this story before, but some of you might have heard it. I, I used to, I think you've heard me being intense, Crisco's, a lot of intense spiritual stuff. Okay, so that was like that intense Crisco season. We used to go to Salem, Massachusetts during Halloween, and uh, we would go to these witch festivals to tell people about who Jesus was at these witch festivals. They were a lot of fun. There were a lot of darkness, but they were a lot of fun. Why? Because light always outshines darkness. So as everyone's going to get their tarot card reading, which is demonic, or their palm reading, which is demonic, right? All that stuff's demonic. We're out there with signs saying, who needs prayer? Free healing in Jesus' name, whatever. And because they were there for the experience, they were like, why not? I've seen so many people get healed at Salem. It was ridiculous because they were open to whatever God wanted to do in their life. It's kind of an interesting. Remember having one conversation with this young girl. I get this picture. And so a word of knowledge could be a picture. It could be a phrase. It could be a word. It could, it could be a symbol. It could, like, right in your imagination. God could use your imagination. God could have you physically see it. But it's something about someone that you shouldn't know. And I remember there's a girl that came in, and me and a friend were praying. And I just asked the Lord, like, what, what do you want to show to her? And I get this picture, and I get this image of this girl who is crying in the mirror. And her, 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 her makeup's running everywhere. And it's like, it's like bleeding almost, you know, like those pictures of like the black, like mascara bleeding, um, just kind of all over her face. And she's crying and she grabs her brush and she throws her brush against the mirror. And um, she just like hates herself. Like I could just tell, it's like self-hatred. And so I tell her what I see. I didn't tell her the self-hatred part. I just tell her what I see. I said, hey, I just see this picture of a girl, not you, although I knew it was her, <laughs> of a girl and she's crying and she she's miserable and she's depressed and she's struggling with insecurity and, and she grabs this hairbrush. She throws it against the mirror and the mirror shadows, shatters. And, and you know, you ask, because the thing with the word of knowledge is you're either right or you're wrong. It's either God or it's not God. It's like, it's not that complicated, right? It's like, it's either good or it's not good. And so you're like, does, does that mean anything? And, and maybe I heard wrong or, and she begins to weep, like sob. And she's like, how did you know that? And I was like, I don't know what you're talking about. She goes, that happened to me last night. That's literally what I did. How did you know that? And I just began to share with her. I didn't know that. Jesus knew that. Jesus is with you. Jesus loves you. He sees you. And he doesn't care what you think of yourself. What he thinks of you is more important. I began preaching the gospel. In the middle of a witch festival, this girl's encountering Jesus and getting saved. We've seen it happen here where... God will highlight individuals even in service on a Sunday where God will speak to them. And I'll say, hey, you, I just feel like God's saying this and this or, you know, at an altar call. And, and man, the word of knowledge is powerful. That word of knowledge is powerful. It's what I got, that similar word um, when I gave that young girl at that summer camp. I got that word of knowledge where God revealed to me a piece of information because he trusted me. And that led to this miraculous encounter and experience with Jesus. I have other stories, so many stories of those. And it's just so powerful because when God speaks in that real way, and, and I've always said this, like there's one thing to go to someone in Target, for example, and be like, hey, God, um, I, I feel like I want to pray for you, right? Which is cool. 
Or like, go to Denny's. Hey, I feel like I want to pay for your meal and I want to pray for you. Awesome. Powerful. That's great. You're doing it. There's another thing where it's like, hey, I don't know why, but I just feel like God told me to pray for you. I know this is weird, but I love Jesus. And is there someone in your family that has cancer, specifically your mom? Is she struggling with cancer? And actually, you know, this person at Target's like, how did you know my mom's struggling with cancer? It's like, because I just feel like the Lord wants to heal her. And can we pray together? That's a completely different conversation than let me pray for you. You know what I'm saying? I have learned that prophetic moments that are healthy like that open up the gospel in such a real, powerful, tangible way. We see this. Jesus do this in the gospels. Jesus goes to the woman at the well, for example, and she, he goes up to her and says, hey, who's your husband? And she's like, I don't have a husband. And he goes, no, you don't. You've had six husbands and the one that's your husband is not your husband. That's a word of knowledge. And it releases the ability to encounter Jesus in a deeper way. Number six is discernment. And some of you guys might have this. Discernment is the ability or spiritual sense to recognize the source of spiritual movement or actions. We see this in the book of Acts chapter 16. Paul is traveling, preaching, and there's this woman that is with him, that's following him, that is saying to everyone out loud, this is a man of God. This is a man of God. Paul of the man of God. Paul is the man of God. Da-da-da. The Bible says Paul gets annoyed turns to the woman and says, get out of here in Jesus' name. Demon, we release you. The woman ended up having a demon and she ends up getting freed. Paul was able to discern that that spirit, although it sounded Christian, although it sounded right, was not coming from the proper spirit. It wasn't coming from the Holy Spirit. And that gift of discernment was able to release that woman into freedom. The gift of discernment is the ability to tell what's right and what's counterfeit. The gift of discernment helps us in the room to understand if God is moving or God's not moving. And I believe this is such a powerful gift. Some of you might, it might be a feeling, it might be a sense. Now I wanna explain, this isn't auras, this isn't chakras, that's new age, that's demonic, don't do that. This isn't vibes, right? I, I laugh at sometimes when we have new visitors. This is like the, nor- this is the normal conversation as a pastor I have with Gen Zers and millennials who don't really know Jesus and that's okay. I'm so glad they're here and I love them. They come in, they come to church, the coffee's good, worship's good, I preach, apparently it went good, thank God, because God's gracious. And I go meet them in the lobby, and they were like, bro, because they say bro a lot, bro, this church is such a vibe, man. I know what they're saying. It's not a vibe. It's the Holy Spirit's moving in their life. They just don't know that. So I just say, thanks, man, God's moving, God's real. But I want to also make it clear, it's not a vibe. Like, I just get a sixth sense. This isn't a sixth sense thing. This is not fleshly or emotional. This is from the spirit to reveal the intention of other spiritual activity. And I believe that's so essential in this day and time. Last gifts, and we're going to close in a minute, is Holy Ghost speaking. And more importantly, this is in the context of corporate, Holy Ghost speaking. So first you have the gift of prophecy. Now, people can prophesy to each other. Paul actually talks about this. 1 Corinthians 12, 13, 14. And if you're in the room and you're like, man, this is so good. I want to learn more. Go for it. Go home and learn more. I was just telling this the first service that I think I'm probably gonna have to do a whole series on each one of these because it's just so much information. But if you're like, man, I wish there was more, go home and learn more. Because I want to tell you, Sundays is not your meal. This is like a protein shake. This is like a shot. But you need to go home and learn how to make your own sandwich. I cannot be the only one feeding you. Do not be anorexic in your Christianity. You know what I'm saying? Go open your Bible. Go put on some YouTube. I know you have preachers you like, 
There's a million of them. I don't care. As long as they're not heretics, go listen to them. Go read your Bible. Join a group. Go learn more. And there's a ton of stuff on this that you can learn and grow in. And as long as it's submitted to what we're talking about and the authority of the house and the authority of scripture, and it's on the same page, we're all going to be good. And so prophecy, there's so much on this. But for this conversation, I'm talking about specifically when God speaks a prophetic word to a house or God speaks to us to a prophetic word as a church or it's something corporate. And so prophecy is when someone gets up and speaks God's heart because it has to be God's heart. If it's not God's heart, it's not from him. As an immediate, so it's like a word for now or a futuristic message to individuals. And sometimes that can be in the context of a prophetic word or that could be sometimes in the context of a sermon or a message. I think there's been seasons where we've had to get speakers come and not knowing it, they're bringing a prophetic word that is releasing something into the room and in our hearts in a real way. And I think that's valuable and that's important that we would understand that. So really the main focus of this gift is that God can speak currently today. Does that make sense? That God can speak a word for you that you need to hear right now that would bring you closer to Jesus that would bring you deeper into your relationship with God. And it could be something extravagant and big as like God's going to do this and this and this maybe, or God wants to do this. Or it could be as simple as I just want to declare. It's what Pastor Juan did. So if you didn't know this, Pastor Juan during worship was prophesying in song. He's not just like vibing out and flowing. Although that's what we would think. He's prophesying in song. When he said that you and your household shall be saved, that's a prophetic word. That's a prophecy to you that the people you know that don't know Jesus, that it's Romans out of, it's that Romans in scripture that says you and your household will be saved. And it's the voice of God speaking through Pastor Juan because he's trusted in your life to believe that your cousin who doesn't know Jesus is going to know Jesus. That your friends who don't know Jesus are going to know Jesus. It's a prophetic moment that God is speaking the heart of God into your reality. Does that make sense? And it's very connected to these last two, tongues and interpretation of tongues. So tongues is to speak a word for the church in a spiritual language, not to be confused with personal or devotional tongues. So we believe that when you get baptized in the Holy Spirit, you speak in tongues. That's a different gift than the gift of tongues. So we believe that everyone can get the gift of the Holy Spirit. It's up to Jesus to speak in tongues, but that's in the personal place of prayer. Like sometimes on Sundays, I'll be like, hey, let's just pray in the spirit right now. What I'm saying is let's pray in tongues right now. Let's pray in our heavenly spiritual language that only God can hear from us. The gift of tongues is when someone interrupts the service. And Paul says, if that's going to happen, it has to be interpreted. You can't just interrupt the service in tongues because then that's chaos, which leads to the next one, which is interpretation of tongues, which is to interpret a spiritual language or tongues moment for an individual or the church. Let me share one more story and then I'm going to close. So really popular evangelist um, 40, 50 years ago. His name was Billy Graham. I don't know if you've ever heard of him. He's awesome. If you haven't, he's, he's a cool guy. Billy Graham actually was a sensationist. Billy Graham didn't believe in the gifts of the Spirit early on in his ministry. One day he's doing a crusade, smaller crusade. This is how the story goes. Smaller crusade. And he's running behind on time because they have to end and they have to close. And I don't know what the situation was, but he's running behind on time. And so Billy can't finish his sermon. So he closes it. And he's like, all right, we're going to close right now. And if you want to accept Jesus, right, he does the whole close your eyes and, you know, salvation moment, which, which Billy Grant often did. He would fill up arenas with hundreds of thousands of people getting saved. He's the man. Billy goes into the moment. And then on one side of the stadium, 
someone starts yelling in tongues. Now, I don't know about you, but that's awkward. That'd be so awkward. Billy doesn't even believe in this stuff. That dude doesn't know that. Billy doesn't even believe in this stuff. This guy's going, da 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 right? He's yelling in tongues. And then I guess it ends. And right before Billy's about to address it, because he probably needs to address it, because that was just an awkward moment. You ever just like hang out with someone or you had a party and you're like, well, that was awkward. That's what happened. Imagine like the tension, even now, right? The awkwardness, like, ugh. And then out of nowhere, the story goes, on one side of the stadium, someone's yelling in tongues, gets done. And right before Billy addresses it, on the other side of the stadium, someone starts interpreting his tongue. Starts interpreting the person's tongue. And Billy begins to realize that the person interpreting is finishing his sermon word for word that he didn't get to finish. And that was like Billy's first steps to getting in, like, maybe this continuationism thing's real. You see what that does in the room? There's power behind it. Why? Because when God speaks, when God speaks in a real way, when God begins to speak to your now, man, it's powerful. It's powerful. So it doesn't happen often, but if it happens, as long as it's interpreted, I'm about it. As long as it's the heart of God, I'm about it, which leads me to my last point, which is this. It's not about preference. It's about his presence. I want it all if it's him. I don't want to shut him down. Now, if it's not him, I don't want it. I don't want flesh. I don't want weird gifts. I don't want charisma. I want the Holy Ghost. And the Holy Ghost can still move through people. And maybe in this season, listen, this isn't about you getting more gifted. I don't need, we don't need more gifted people, although I think God is going to call you higher. I think the purpose of this conversation was this, to set the tone of what we believe spiritually and theologically. And two, to ask ourselves the question is, are we willing to want more of the Holy Spirit, even if it would make us uncomfortable? Because sometimes it will make you uncomfortable. But I'm excited for that. Because I don't want to get to heaven and I'm uncomfortable. Come on. I don't want you to get to heaven and be a noob. You know what I'm saying? Like, you don't know what to do with your hands. Like, bro, we've been doing this thing for 40 years. And you don't know what to do with your hands when you meet Jesus? Come on. Like, I want to be able to experience all that God has for me. I want to experience all the presence of God. I want to experience all the power of God. I want to experience what Jesus would have for the church. I want God to move in the way he wants to move. I want God to speak in the way he wants to speak. I want God to reveal in the way he wants to reveal. And I believe that the giftings of God, we get a taste of that in a real, tangible way. In a real, tangible way. Lastly, I'm going to end with this quote. And, and, and I think it's, let me find it. It's really, really powerful. Where was it at? I'll just, I can't find it right now. Oh, there it is. It's by John Wimber. He says, the gifts of the Holy Spirit are transrational, beyond the mind and understanding. Manifestations of God. They are given by God for the purpose of ministry taking place for the good of the body of Christ. And they increase when the Holy Spirit is present. So if we're going to want more Holy Ghost, then that means God's going to move more in gifts. And I'm going to believe that God can move and still moves and is going to move. I believe what we've experienced at our church is just scratching the surface to what God wants to do in this place and with our people. If you agree with me, come on, just give them an amen real quick and just shout them down. Come on. So do me a favor, stand to your feet. Come on. We're going to close right now. A little bit different, but I believe powerful. And this is what I want to do before we let you go 
If I can have the pastors meet me in the front. We did this for a service. So pastors, meet me in the front. Pastors, directors. If you're an intern, you could come help too. Come help me. Good, good. Get some, get some people on this side. That would be great. Awesome. Let's get some of the pastors on staff. Staff members, come help me. Come on. Directors. Just line up. Just line up. I think I need a couple more on the Pastor Jason, can you come on this side to help me? And then Jared, could you help on this side too a little bit? That'd be great. That'd be good. Kristen right there, that's perfect. Yeah, good, good. And so this is what I want to do. Just everybody close their eyes real quick. And I just believe that if we're going to talk about the gifts of the Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit are not about an individual. They're about the body. They're about us together. And so if that's you, and you're in the room and you say, you know what, I just need prayer. I just need prayer for something. I just wanted to make room. That's all. We're going to let you go right now. I know you got lunch plans. But I think it would be remiss to not allow the Holy Spirit to move through the giftings of the house and talk about it. So if you're in the room and you would say, you know what, I just need prayer. I need prayer for my marriage, my sickness, healing, whatever. It could be whatever. My mind, my situation, my circumstance. And if you need prayer, just come up here and find someone to pray for you. That's all. Anybody in the room, just come up here. Come find someone. Come find someone. Come find someone. Awesome. Come find someone. Come on. Come find someone. Awesome. Just find someone who's up here. Come find someone. Awesome. If, you, if, if, if everyone's taken up, just wait right there. You're good. Come on. That's awesome. Just wait behind them. And so whatever you need prayer for, we're here. And we love you. And we believe that God is still moving today. So do me a favor. Everybody close your eyes one more time. And let's dismiss and we'll let you go. Holy Spirit, we just ask that you would move. God, we thank you for the gifts of the Spirit. We thank you for the grace of God. And Holy Spirit, we pray that as we end this experience, that Jesus, you would have your way in your church. We love you. We thank you. And in Jesus' name, everybody said, amen and amen. Awesome. Come on. Can we just give it up for what God did in the room one more time? Awesome. So if you're still getting prayed for, get prayed for. If you don't need to get prayed for, we love you. You're dismissed. We'll see you next Sunday. Make sure you invite a friend. And we'll just keep this room an atmosphere of worship and prayer so that way people can experience Jesus. Come on. Once again, thank you so much for joining in and listening to the message brought to our house this past Sunday. We love you and we pray you have a blessed day and blessed week.